let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and we are back, and I am so pleased that this week we are drinking what I consider to be normal beer, mate. And by that, you just mean no sours, don't you? I, I do basically just mean no sours, yeah, well, after the last show. Although, shall I introduce the name of the beer that we are drinking now, though? <laughs> when you yeah. say normal beer, a few years ago, if someone said to you, can I have a pint of lemon drop, please? Well, yeah, you wouldn't really know what you was going to get, no. would you? So we've, uh, we're, we're showcasing some beers from Cheshire Brewhouse, which have been very kindly sent down to us. Um, in particular, their limited edition single hop series. And the first beer we've got is a 4.4% lemon drop. And um, let's see what this one's like. So this is just a standard pal ale yep. um, with uh, lemon drop hop only. That is really dry and bitter. It's got a massive dry yeah. finish to it. It's, I mean, um, that's not unlike a cut, the, the finish to a couple of the sours. Weird. No, it's it's not, but it's it's not sour. It's got that it's got that bitter edge to it. Mm. There's, there's there's some earthiness in there as well that comes through. You get a little bit of that on the nose as well. It's it's quite what 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 you'd probably call quite a traditional nose on it. Oh yeah, because it's not it hasn't got waves of uh, you know lemon floral citrusy. It's got none of that none of that going on. It, I think to all intents and purposes, it is a very traditional beer, but it's very traditional beer made very well. Yeah. Now we're going to be doing three of these tonight, aren't yep. we? They're, they're all parallels, and as far as we're aware, the only difference is um, the, the the hop that, that's in them, as far as the ingredients are concerned. So it's, it's going to be quite interesting, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it will be. We're going to do the side by so we'll do one after the other. We'll see what it's like. But yeah, it's, I think it be quite interesting, actually. Yeah. And they are, you mentioned they were limited edition. I mean, this one is, this. there's only 396 bottles of this. Yeah. So they are fairly limited as well. Yeah, that is. I mean, that is properly limited. So um, you know, thank you very much to um, to Shane. Yeah, Shane Swindells. Shane Swindells at Cheshire Brewhouse. And you know, just as a you know, for those of you who are recent listeners or can't remember, we, we have featured some beers from Cheshire Brewhouse before, um, including uh, the Govinda, which was one of their heritage beers. Yeah. And I enjoyed them so much, I did buy a case on the way home, <laughs> of mixed of four different of the four beers we've done on the show. Yeah. So, you know, we've been sending them. We were very grateful for being sent them. And then I went and bought a load. But that Govinda was incredible. I mean, we both we both said at the time how good that was in terms of it, the, the, the beer it was. We got it in. We got it in for a, a tasting at work. And yeah. it went. There was none of it left over. Everyone really enjoyed it. Yeah. So, so that's, that's one to keep your eye out for if, it, if it, it's released again. If you see it, and it's, I definitely would love to have that on I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, Shane does that as an annual release. So it, it might be might be coming up again. Okay, cool. Keep an eye out for that then. Yeah. So what have you been up to, mate, since last show? Well, um, I, had a few, I had a few things go on, but I'll just, I'll just give a few highlights. Um, so since we last recorded, I went to the soft launch of the Five Points Taproom at the Pembury Tavern, which has been taken over. Um, I, I went there in December with Michelle um, around Christmas time, and it was looking, it, from the outside, it's a lovely building, but inside it was looking very tired. It looked, for me, it looked like a bit of a 70s social club. Um, they've given it a bit of a tidy up. They haven't tried to go all industrial, urban chic kind of thing. They haven't tried to make it look like a tap room. It just looks like a nice pub. Plenty of space inside. And um, they had their core range on. So I dived in quite naturally on the railway porter and cask. As, and, as you do. As you do. And yeah. tasted fantastic. I also finished on the railway porter that evening as well. 
and, did you um, drink anything else in between? Or was oh yes, yeah. no, no, railway no, no, no. I had the XPA, the Pale Ale, the IPA. I tried. I basically went for the whole core range, yeah. but just bookended with the railway porter. Um, so thank you very much to um, Rebecca at Five Points for the invite, uh, and also uh, met up with Matt Half Pint Jen, uh, friend of the show and friend of ours outside of the show as well. And um, so he's now finished at West Berkshire and um, off to ELB in uh, in in uh, East London. So. Uh, Hopefully he'll have a good time there and good luck to him. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, I'm sure he'll do as well as he did at, at West Park. Oh, I'm sure he will. He sure will. You know, we met in the dub actually at Hackney Broadway and they had free free ELB on there. And I have to admit, the cast was tasting fantastic. The pale ale. Yeah. I can't remember what the other one was, but it, they were tasting really good. The dub is a really nice pub actually. It's not necessarily up your street. Belgian beer is their speciality, but the, yeah. cast, the cast range was good. And I finished off in there with a Timmy Taylor's Landlord. Well, sounds like your perfect venue. Timmy Taylor Landlord. And, Timmy Taylor's. and then I went to a place that had railway port on cask. The perfect evening. I'd say win. Yeah. And um, what, the day after, you know, not having had enough booze on the Tuesday night, um, we had a work beer tasting. So, um, cohort, colleague, and creative director Clayton helps me out with these. And um, we had Chris Hall come in from the bottle shop. And um, he presented six beers from California. And uh, that was the theme of the evening. He talked through Cold Chain, what the bottle shop do, and a bit about the beers as yeah. well. Um, we did have a couple of sours in there, uh, but my favourite beer of the evening was Left Hand Brewing Hop Juice, a 10% triple IPA. And it was tasting superb, I have yeah. to admit. It was right up there with some of the good, really good triple IPAs I've had. Really nice, wasn't cloying, wasn't overly sweet, felt nicely in balance, dangerously drinkable at 10% as well. So that that was um, that was a very enjoyable evening. We had a really good turnout at work, and we're already planning, hopefully squeezing in one more tasting at work before the end of the year. Keep the momentum going. We had a lot of newbies as well. Yeah. So that was really good fun. And uh, but last but not least, a couple of days ago from when we were recording, September's bottle share, or, or October's even. Are we October? Yeah. I'm going to go October then. <laughs> Are we at that? Oh, blimey, it's dark. It's autumn yeah. and everything, isn't it? Yeah, it was yeah. October's bottle share. It was one so, of those that was really close to the first yeah. of the month. And um, there was eight of us, uh, but we did have some good beers. Well, some questionable ones to start off with. Yeah, it warmed up though. It, it did, but the, the, the finish that we had um, on Tuesday was just incredible. We finished with three... Big bottles, those yeah. three seven fifty mil bottles. So, have you made a note of which ones we had? Um, we I've gotten to hand the Wimbledon Triple X K. Is it yeah. twenty seventeen? Twenty seventeen vintage ale. So that was their Belgium inspired yeah. beer. I got no Belgian notes off of that. No, at, nothing at overt, was there? No, I just got a really. Um, really good vintage beer, lots of sort of like caramel and toffee notes going on in, in, in there. That was just really, really drinkable. Uh, and then we had uh, a cloud water barrel aged saison. Yeah, um, barrel aged brute saison. And this had been barrel aged in red wine barrels as as well. And yes, despite the nose maybe not not being something I would go for the flavour on it was just incredible it was so soft and smooth and just so drinkable it was really really well, look, good just, I'm just going to read out the, the official description because it's such a mesh 
It's such a mess. So the barrel aged Saison Brut, fermented with Saison and Champagne yeast, aged in red wine barrels for 21 months, dry hopped with Galaxy and Equinor before being bottled in January 2018. So we had it 10 months later. Yeah. Refermented in the bottle with German Bretomyces strain. Wow, that, that beer is just going to keep changing, isn't it? Yeah. If you've got I a mean, bottle of that, that's just going to keep going. That's, that's, I mean, that's just a... Yeah. Who thought of that? I mean, that's just a real mesh of, of ideas, isn't it? And so yeah. well, I wonder if this will actually work. So, But yeah, it was really, really enjoyable, that one. Um, and, then we, and then we finished on what I think was the best one of the evening. I, I have to agree that it was the best beer of the evening, even though it was the one that you bought. Um it's been a while. I, I felt like a bit. I, had, I bought this in Arizona last year, in the in the bottle shop I went to, the, the one which I really enjoyed and went back a couple of times there. And um, it's a beer from Boulevard Brewing Company. It's a Cabernet Cask Imperial Stout, coming in at a lowly thirteen point two percent. And again, this one. So just to give a bit of an idea about this one, so it spent almost two years in oak barrels, but at first aged Napa Valley Cabernet Sauvignon before moving to Kentucky to finish on Jefferson's Reserve straight bourbon whiskey. And I have to admit, it, it felt a very layered kind yeah. of beer with like waves of flavor coming through. Um, it was absolutely delicious, I have, to, I have to admit. It was absolutely brilliant. It was really quite easy to do. None of that, I, didn't, I don't know about you, I didn't get any alcohol burn. No, it was, it was, so, easy, it was so easy to drink and like I say, so complex as well. I'm just going to have to read out my tasting notes that I put in okay. my on this because this is uh, just goes to show, I think, how complex a beer was. So I put um, chocolate, burnt vanilla and oak, complex, red fruits up front, leading to dark chocolate, bitter finish, hints of coffee and tannins, subtle boozy burn on the finish. It's just there was so much going on in that that I was almost disappointed that we, we only got a fairly small pour, yeah, even I mean, though there was eight of us. Yeah. I'm glad there was only eight of us though, because had that port been any smaller, it would have been hard to get everything yeah. going on. Yeah. I mean, I was just playing because it's one of those things I'd saved, and I thought it's coming up for a year when I went to Arizona. It's now time to pull it out, even though it has one of these dates which says another couple of years, and probably would last even longer than that. Um, where it will probably change, I, I can't imagine it could actually get any better. So it just tasted fantastic. I, thought. I, I think if anything, it's just going to get softer, isn't it? It's yeah. just going to get softer and smoother. More mellow. And, and you're going to start picking up more of those, maybe more of the chocolate notes in it than, than anything than else. Than the red wine and the yeah. bourbon. So yeah, I mean, it, we did have a few a few question ones early on and uh, a bit suspect, but there was definitely three big finishes there. Yes, yeah. And really, it was really a bit, re, bit return to bottles. Yeah, there was two cans, three yeah. cans. So we had a, we had we've had a few recently where the cans have definitely outweighed the bottles on the bottle share. Yeah, I still don't think we've hit that utopia of a can only bottle share yet. Yeah, we've come close a couple of times, yeah. and I think it it will happen at, at some point. But it was nice to see a bit of a return to to actual bottles. I think while we have any of our resident home brewers turning up, we'll, we won't hit the cans. No, because they will always because bring bottles. Always bring bottles. Yeah. Um, so did you get is there any, any other notable beers that you've had in the last couple of weeks um, I at the weekend I treated myself to a couple of beers from the back of my cellar so I pulled out last year's uh, Buxton and Omnipolo's Yellow Belly and Yellow Belly Sunday as, right. as well to do kind of side by side tasting purely for scientific purposes then absolutely yeah I've been I've been slowly revisiting 
some of the beers in the back of my my cellar because I've got I've got to the point where I'm like you know I've got to stop I've got to stop stockpiling this stuff because otherwise I'm going to get to a point where I'm never going to drink it all. Try telling Ginger Daniels that one. <laughs> um, so went in for last year's Yellow Bellies um, and out of the two, actually found that the Sunday had aged better than than the standard version. Oh really? Yeah, it, uh, the. That the, the bourbon notes were much softer. It was lending itself to a much easier drink, uh, allowing a lot more of the, the 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 biscuit and the peanut flavours to come through in it. Whereas the the standard Yellow Belly still feels quite harsh around the edges. Okay, and and hasn't really begun. To hasn't started soften. to mellow out. Still got the flavours in there. Yeah. So I think the last time I went back and revisited some, I did some from twenty sixteen, and I said I, th- I thought that. The flavour had actually started to die off, so it's almost a case of trying to find, I think, where the sweet spot is with Yellow Belly to still get the flavours, but so that it's not kind of got that roughness around the edge. Yeah, so you lose the harshness where you haven't yeah. got with the, the Sunday version. Yeah. So, so no. Apart from that, it's just uh, it's actually been fairly quiet since uh, since the last time we well, recorded. Okay, fairly confident. But the next time we have a beery adventures conversation, the roles might be reversed, Steve. Yeah, I uh, I'm gonna have quite a bit to talk about. Uh, I think. Yeah. Um, as I'm as people would have listened to this, I I would have made my triumphant return to. To, to Indie Man, so yeah, uh, there'll, there'll be lots for me to talk about, I think. Well, that should uh, cover that one off. So, what's your final thoughts on the uh, lemon drop that we both drained? <laughs> uh, really enjoyable, really drinkable. Uh, would have really liked to have tried a cask version of that. Um, I know that's Cheshire Brewhouse basically specialise in um, cask and sort of like bottle conditioned beers as well. So, I, I can imagine the cask version of that if there is one. Just softening that dryness and softening, yeah. softening that sharpness. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want it to be too. No, I'd still want sharpness. I mean, I've, I've literally just taken my last mouthful and it's properly drying yeah. my mouth out. I would still, as, I would still like to have those sharp, yeah. sharp points of reference that the bottle version has got. Um, I think it's really nice. I think it's just really well balanced. Um, I didn't find it overpowering in any part of it apart from the dryness and bitterness. But however, I quite like that anyway. Some people may find it a little bit too much, but. You just carry on drinking in the end, it goes away. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, we've got another one coming up now. Uh, what's what's this one? So, again, another limited edition. Oh, triumphant return for the sonic screwdriver bottle over there as well. Uh, Cheshire Brewhouse uh, limited edition, El Dorado this time. Okay. Um, very similar ABV, 4.5% on this one. Again, these aren't hops that I know too much about, but they're using. No, they... The next one is... Yes. But these two, not, not so much. I've, I've heard of them both before. Yeah. Um, I've definitely had beers with them in both before, but not so often, if you know Yeah, what I mean. yeah. It's not something that would spring to mind. So it's quite nice because I'm not really pre-programmed for what I might be getting. No, it's, yeah, we're going in quite um, quite raw, aren't we? God, you get a bitterness straight away on that one. Right up front. Yeah, it's uh, still got that earthy quality. I wouldn't say it's got as much of the... Um, it's not as light in their flavour. No. This has got more going on, but I can't quite pick it out at the moment. No, I think it's maybe a little cold. Just that, I mean, that's straight out yeah. of the fridge. Uh, got to be careful not to just neck that one because that's got the, oh, that's the got... level of bitterness that I absolutely love in a beer. Yeah, and, and um, <laughs> lovely, lovely bit of head retention in the bottom yeah. as well. And you know, saying that they do them, I don't actually think they're actually 
secondary fermentation in the bottle. I don't think there's actually any yeast in the bottle. So although it's it feels like a, a like a real ale in a bottle kind of thing, I don't think they do. It has the the gunk in it. Yeah, because we're not having to pour these carefully, are they? No. Oh, I mean, they're coming out pretty much. Yeah, there's a slight, clear. Yeah, yeah, I mean, ever so slight haze, but that is because I'm taking it straight from the fridge. Yeah. On that note, I'll get the, the next one ready. Okay. Just so that. So the next one's sent no cascade. No, yeah, cascade. So, so a hop that we're probably more familiar with. Yeah. Um, in in terms of the beers that we drink, um, so this one again, limited edition of how many bottles is? I think this might be the, oh no, seven hundred and eighty three. Okay, so it's a few more of, of, of this one. That's barely limited at all. Yeah, and what what is it on the last? one? And on the last one, four hundred and eighteen. Okay, so must have had more of a yeah, more of a yield of of, of, of the, the, the hops. Yeah, yeah, so um, first 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 taste was very nice. Yeah. Well, I'm going to let mine um, warm while I uh, rabbit my way through the news, I reckon. Okay, I'll probably finish mine by the time we got through this guy. I, I imagine so. So, uh, first up, we got the news that um, cask beer sales are declining faster than beer overall. So, uh, last week saw the annual release of the cask report. Uh, and the main news in that was that um, the cask beer market is down 6.8% in volume. Uh, according to moving annual total figures to July 2018. Figures also showed that while the overall on-trade beer market has declined by 1.6% in volume during the past 12 months, some categories are showing signs of growth such as premium lager which was up by 2.2%. I just want to pause there and I'm just wondering that lager statistic, I'm wondering if there's a couple of contributing factors to that go on then one we had an incredibly hot summer yeah and this was up to july yeah the heat wave fairly much stopped yep and number two was the world cup yep as, as well surely both of those things together would have contributed to that massive well not massive but that 2.2 percent upturn in lager sales if it, it's got to be a contributory factor like i said the, the hottest part the, the the heat wave proper finished by the end of july all during the world cup we were fairly much having that heat wave yeah so yeah, it's got to have it had an impact, doesn't it? And it has very much been the summer of lager, hasn't it? Has well, it's definitely been the summer of lager. Your pale beers, maybe you want a bit of carbonation to quench the thirst and stuff. Um, even even me when I was going to in some of the pubs in London, which are my tried and tested ones with cask beers, there was a couple of times when I said, actually, do you know what? I just want I just want something cold and fizzy. Yeah. But still want a little bit of flavour, so give me something like that. Yeah. I went for that. There was actually um, the British Guild of Beer Writers did a a cask a cask talk over at Hammersmith recently. And I think they, um, I haven't had a chance to read up on it, but I think there's a YouTube presentation by um, by Pete Brown about it as well. Oh, okay. So I think that sort of ties, it, it was tied into to this yeah. one. I mean, this is, I mean, fairly much, this is the same headline every year, isn't it? I think so, but I think this is this is more um, more of a downturn this year in terms of cask sales. I mean, if you dig into it a little bit deeper, um, cask is still a large part of the market, uh, with fifty five percent of the overall on trade owl category. Um, so it is it is still taking, still ha- is, is the majority of kind of owls that are available in 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 the in the pub. Um, declining cask is largely seen in more the traditional amber beers. But at the same time, golden beers are experiencing growth. So, which would again look, tie into the lagers. Yeah, maybe a bit cooler. People wanting something which they think will be first quenching during the summer and watching the World Cup when you don't want to really be thinking about your beer. No, it, it kind of lends itself to the discussion we were having on the um, the, the last show as well about people's perceptions of what real ale is. Yeah, it's real ale is the boring brown beer. Yeah, 
That's is what it? they nearly always show when they do something on the news. Yeah. Someone pouring that. They don't show them pouring a pint of golden, shooting yeah. a pint of brown. But, you know, there's, I mean, there's nothing in there that, that leapt out as me uh, as, as being any more surprising than we've heard in previous years yeah. of the cast report. Yeah, I... I it's not a shock. Um, it's a shame, but it's not a shock. While we're talking cask, there there was the announcement this week that um, it's going to that cask sales are going to shoot up by twenty percent. Yeah, Cloudwater are bringing back cask beer. Yes. Um, now this was uh, part of a two part blog that they put out over a couple of days, mm-hmm. which not only um, said that they were bringing back cask, but also went into some of the changes they're going to be making to their labelling. They're going to make things a little bit more clearer. They're bringing back um, some more of their seasonal stuff. They're going back to labelling beers as as versions because I think a lot of people have said they're finding it very difficult to keep track of what cloud water beers they've drunk. Yeah. Um, so uh, and then within that they made the announcement that they were going to start producing cask beer again but were also very very clear that they're only going to do that to for, for a certain number of um, accounts that can it sounded like they were essentially saying you've got to prove to us that you know how to look after cask yeah. beer yeah so it's either going to be pubs they already know and trust because there was a couple of people recommending places and they went back already sorted kind of thing and then I think we you recommended our, our home for the Essex Bottle Share. The Owl House. The Owl House, yeah. because yeah. we know that they do look after their cask beer. Um, so I think it's going to be that kind of... It's going to be places which they know and trust will deliver the product they want it to be delivered, which going back two years ago when they said they were pulling out, the main two reasons were it wasn't actually financially that viable. People weren't prepared to pay what cask was worth. And also they couldn't guarantee the end product. Yeah. And... I presume they feel that the places they will work with will work with them on the price and also on the delivery. So, I mean, I think it's, I think it's good. I mean, you know, you, you, you could argue that, you know, Cloudwater coming back to do it. It's a bit, it's a nice shot in the arm. It's a nice bit of publicity for them. Um, I always thought it was a shame, but they stopped, but I understood the rationale. But it does give a bit of a, a boost to the market, though, that they're, that they're coming back. Because even if... I mean, car- Cloudwater's cask volume isn't going to suddenly change the numbers. No, it's not. And if they're only going to be working with a, a small number of accounts, then... But if it gets people talking about cask in a positive light, it's, who, it's may, a who, may, who may not always yeah. be doing it because it's Cloudwater, that can't be a bad thing. Yeah. Now, now I'm going to make maybe a little bit of a leap here in, in terms of... On, on the last show, we reported that Cloudwater's co-founder had left. Are you are you are you doing some adding up here? I, I am. Now um, so he left and then in in the space between us putting out the last show and as we record this one tonight, they've announced that they're going back into cask. Mm-hmm. They've released two West Coast IPAs that are as clear as day. Oh you noticed that did you say? Oh yeah. I noticed that. And they've also released an American Amber and, and they've started doing some other styles. And and I'm just wondering whether there's no link here or whether it's I'm, I'm just putting Let's straight. be honest, there has got to be a there's got it's either there's either a direct link in so much as the, the, the previous bloke just he had moved away from wanting to do that stuff, or it's a case of, well, they've moved on. It's like anything in, in any business, any office, any walk of life. You get a chance to suddenly take a bit of a reset. Yeah. And you can go, hang on, 
let's have a little bit of a look again. You know, if we're going to have this change going on, let's do this as well. And maybe maybe it's a, an indirect consequence of of, of the uh, co co-founder. Yeah. I think it was moving on. So I mean, I've, I think they're all quite positive. I mean, I thought the labelling blog went on a bit too long. Actually, talking about the labels, it lost me. <laughs> There's a lot of detail. Um, yeah. But the, the the general sense of it, the general gist of it, I thought was quite good. Um, it feels like it feels like. I don't want to say they're rolling back the last two years because that almost sounds wrong as well, but it feels like a bit of a reset to when I first discovered Cloudwater and quite openly really enjoyed their beers and enjoyed what they were doing. It was interesting though because when, when they put out that first um, image that they were releasing this clear West Coast IPA, I think it was uh, Matt Curtis who retweeted it and said um, whatever the date was, the, the, the day that UK beer became clear again and then I think brilliantly two breweries that jumped on that straight away were Thornbridge and Marble saying it never went away <laughs> which, which, is, which, which, which is true which I just thought was, was brilliant for but the large part of their beers I'm, I'm very excited to try those two Cloudwater beers because we know how good they are at doing IPAs yeah. and we know how good they used to be when they used to do clear IPAs yes so I'm very excited to now try their modern interpretation of a West Coast IPA. West Coast IPA in Carsby, I'm, I'm up for that. Yeah, absolutely. Like I say, it felt, feels like a bit of a reset for yeah. them. But also, maybe it's a reset, maybe it's the juice bubble that's about to burst and, and they're just maybe they're just moving with the times. Or trying to get ahead of it. Yeah. Could be one of the other. I don't think they're going to stop doing the juice juicy beers and they're certainly and they're, not why there's demand for no them. and also their juicy beers do lend themselves really well to their small small beer range yeah they that's, really that's where they we've they said work that so, many so times, well we? work yeah. so well yeah um so so talking about resetting things um we've got the news uh in in the past week that um obviously the rainbow project finished yes this year, uh and then there was an announcement from uh it came from siren uh, initially saying that um, they were contacted by a uh, left-handed giant who are based down Bristol Way. Bristol Way, they're one of the ones who did the crowdfunding last yeah. year as well, aren't they? Um, to say that, can we take it over? So okay. there's, there's actually a new Rainbow Project going to be running from next year. Um, and today they announced the that the breweries that would now be involved in, in the new Rainbow Project. So this is going to run... Um, from I think I think it's going to run from next year, and I think they've said they're going to do it for two years, two or three years that they're going to do it. So you've obviously got they've not announced the international breweries yet, but the UK lineup is Left Handed Giant, and and some of these are going to come as no surprise okay. to anyone on this. So you've got Left Handed Giant, you've then got Burnt Mill, Daya, North Track, Unity, and Verdant. Okay. They all make one beer. That's my concern because I didn't. I hadn't seen any of this. Um, that's I, I'm not seeing much variety there. I I, I think we're going to see a move to a very juicy rainbow project mix. So, yeah, but so that, the sounds, that sounds a bit like the Northern Powerhouse. It, it the Northern does, Powerhouse yeah. is really juicy. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see who they're paired up with though, and what influence that then has on the beers that they produce. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying there won't be demand for it, and that they're all very good breweries, and they've all there's a lot of fans of those breweries. But for me, I don't. It doesn't feel like there's enough differences. No, but I, I think this this week we've seen um, Verdant have released their first Imperial Stout 
as, as well. So, oh, right, okay. Which I was quite surprised to see um, because I, I don't think I've ever I don't think I've ever released anything that's not a PAL or, or, or an IPA. Not that I know of. No. Okay, but no, I mean it's quite it's an interesting idea that a, a, you know something that Siren had built up and had done for a number of years. But someone else wanted to pick it up and Siren were happy to pass it over yeah, as well. Yeah, it's quite nice, isn't it? That yeah. It's kind of continuing... Rather than just saying, format. we'll let you know it's our toy, we've stopped playing with it, it's going in the cupboard. Yeah. They've actually said, yeah, go on then. Quite like that. And, and I think it's it's great that it's almost like a, it's a second generation of the Rainbow Project. Oh yeah, I mean, the, the, these are breweries that over the last 18 months, a lot of people have had a lot of love for their beers. Yes. So regardless of what you are, you and I might think, and we've we've all we've tried most, we've tried a lot of the beers from these breweries anyway. Um, so yeah, it does feel like it's a okay. Well, we, we this the first wave of modern breweries have done their bit for this for that project. Here you go, off and see how it goes. Yeah. So yeah, be interesting. Will we? But I should look forward to seeing what that that produces next year. Yeah, I mean, speaking of the rainbow, I, I did really enjoy the uh, the beer nomicon. Podcast when they did the the box and ran through the yeah they the didn't previous seem years. to uh, but they didn't seem to rate any of this year's beers particularly highly did they uh, they found one or two that they enjoyed but they didn't seem to be loving it they weren't exactly weeping but it was over at the end yeah um, but yeah if you do want to listen to that I thought it was really good and they did, they did mention some of the highlights over the years and I found it really interesting because as I've openly admitted before Rainbow Project is by and large bypassed me over the years. So it was quite interesting nice to hear to some of the beers, which yeah. beers had come out of it. Yeah. Well, we'll link that through in the show notes. Yeah. So if, if people have missed that, they can click through and have a have a listen to yeah, it. Yeah. If nothing else, you hear, you hear the boys bicker. <laughs> which is what we love. Which is what we love. Yeah. More bickering. Yeah. Um, so staying on uh, the siren theme, um, news today that they're hinting at crowdfunding. Um, so uh, they, they sent out a newsletter and within that there was a, a piece that said uh, become part of the Siren story something big is happening this October um, we're working on our plans for the coming years it's an exciting time we've identified some huge opportunities and laid all the groundwork to realise them for the first time we're inviting you to help us make it happen by owning a part of Siren no further details at the moment but that sounds to me like there's a crowdfunding oh it sounds definitely coming. like it and May also explain the end of the Rainbow Project. Possibly, yeah, yeah. Um, and staying on the crowdfunding theme as well, um, London Beer Factory um, are going to be crowdfunding for a mobile call ship, which sounds hilarious, actually. Um, basically, what they want to do is they want to build a, a mobile call ship that they take all over the UK, and basically they just want... Um, the, the 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 walk that's in it to be infected by whatever bugs are in that part of the UK, and and they're hoping that what will result is a series of beers that reflect the places where the bugs were collected from. Um, next up, we've got um, so this is going way way back to uh, episode sixty two where we did the chat about uh, mental health. Oh yeah, with uh, hop stuff in in the industry. So uh, the licensed trade charity are introducing a free training scheme to equip publicans with the ability to identify and help workers with mental health issues. Uh, schemes first of its kind and will launch with two mental health and well-being in the workplace sessions for managers which will be held in London and the Midlands um, that's all designed to tie in with World Mental Health Day which is on uh, the 10th of October which I think as people listen to this would have already passed 
Um, but there will be more events during 2019 as well. Uh, the one day events will teach managers about the most common mental health issues in the workplace and how to support workers showing symptoms of mental health problems. Um, I mean, that sounds like a great initiative, doesn't it? That's really positive. Yeah. That's really positive. Any steps anyone takes to make that so that people can just say, I'm not feeling right, but because it's in their head, they, there's still that stigma about it. I mean, it'd be brilliant. If it, and anything which helps people identify it, both in themselves yeah. and in others, has got to be a good thing. Yeah, I, I think that's fantastic. Um, and then just to finish, um, got a couple of uh, new beer releases. So first up, Darkstar are launching a beer with Radio X DJs to raise money for Calm. Um, so they've teamed up with Radio X DJs Ellis James and John Robbins to create a beer to celebrate, their new, celebrate the launch of their new book, The Holy Bible, the book the Bible could have been. All profits from the beer will be going to Calm, which is the campaign against living miserably, a charity Ellis and John have long supported. Um, from what I understand, it's a session parallel that's being released in, in Cairns. Um, it's always good to see, again, things being done for charity in, in the beer world. Yeah, interesting collaboration as well. Yeah. Um, and then finally, this is an interesting collaboration. Uh, this beer launched, as we recalled today, um, it's launched in Cairns and a number of locations across the UK and will be pouring, or was pouring, Indie Man. So, so hopefully by the time people hear this, I would have enjoyed this beer. <laughs> um, and we'll be telling them about it next time. Yeah, so this is, uh, it's a stone beer um, and it's called Fellow Sip IPA. Uh, it's a collaboration uh, between Stone, North Brewing Co, Magic Rock, Buxton and Indie Man themselves. Um, and by all accounts, it's a blend of Transmission, Cannonball, Axe Edge and Stone IPA. Fuck me. I mean, that pretty much sounds like my ultimate beer. Bloody hell. So um, I'm going to need to find somewhere where I can get cans of that and buy them all, I think. Train beer on the way home. Yeah, I think it's about six and a half percent or something like that. It's it's going to be with a couple of those beers in there. Yeah, I mean, you've got Accent and Cannibal. I'm just, I'm very excited about potentially trying that. Well, if you do, feel free to pick pick a can up for me. I'd be fascinated to try that. (laughs) Fascinated to try that. Um, And that's the end of the news, mate. So, what are your um, what your final thoughts on beer? It's just superbly drinkable. I still can't quite pitch how to describe the flavour. I have to admit, be openly honest there. I, I can say how it feels. I've got the dryness, the bitterness, and that, that something's really lingering, really pleasant lingering, but makes yeah. me just want to have more of it. Unlike the first one where it was more the feeling that lingered, like the after the the, bit, the after bitterness and the dryness. This one's got a very definite flavour, but it's just sitting there, but I just want to go back for more. But the, I don't really know what to expect with El Dorado, I'll be be honest. No, I mean, I, I agree with you there. There's, there's there's lots of bitterness in there, and I am I'm, I'm loving... That, that that bitterness um, for me it's almost it's reminiscent of the sort of flavour that you might get from an amber ale or, or something a little bit darker um, yeah I can see where you're going to because both beers look identical yeah in the glass both of them had that very nice pale um, golden hue to it without without it looking like anything very trad in that sense of the word. Yeah. But, I mean, it's incredibly refreshing. Mm. I mean, they're both really good. I mean, like I said, all I'm thinking of is how, how, how good they potentially be on cars. So they feel like they're made for it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so, shall I crack open the third one? 
Well, yeah, while you do that, let's... um. A little bit of information uh, about Cheshire Brew House because we, we have, as you say, we have featured them before because Shane was good enough to send us some beers before. So, so they're based in Congleton in, in, in Cheshire. Uh, there are five BBL microbrewery. Okay. Sean? Once again, no idea what, what that means no. in terms of what, what their output is. Why can't they just stick to one measurement? Pints. That's the third different measurement we've had now <laughs> in as many shows and on beers. Um, so head brewer and owner Shane Swindells comes from uh, an engineering background, um, but decided he wanted to, to open up his own brewery, uh, but used the skills from his engineering background uh, to build all of the brewery equipment himself. So in, in terms of the, the brewery setup, it is completely unique to Cheshire Brewhouse. Bloody hell. I never knew that. No. That's amazing. Fascinating, isn't that it? That is fascinating. I mean, I've heard of bespoke breweries because some of the places, uh, the smaller breweries, when they get they get bespoke breweries set up to fit in the space they've got, don't they? Yeah. But not normally done by the person brewing the beer. No. Because I think we saw that when we went up to Wyland for the yeah. the Crimbo Crawl. They, that they, they said when they took us around the brewery there that that's a very strange shaped building they've yeah. got there. And they had to have all the equipment designed to, to yeah. the shape of the building. So they, no. they helped design it. Yeah. But this guy's designed, Shane, built. Shane's built it himself. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's a proper labour of love. Yes, it, it definitely. Is, isn't it? Um, yeah, and they, uh, so, so their uh, predominance is, is around producing cask beers um, and then the bottle conditioned beers that, that we're, we're lucky enough to keep trying. Yeah. So I'm. Um, Pouring the 4.5% Cascade now. And as we said, this so this one's the 418 bottles. Mm -hmm. And a hop that we're probably a little bit more familiar with because it's used. It's one of the sea hops. It's one of the sea hops, yeah. isn't it? Is it me or is that looking a little bit darker than the previous two? I was two? just going to say exactly that. Definitely, that's definitely not quite as... It's got not quite such a sunny disposition I mean, as it's, it. It's still, it's still a pale ale. Yeah, you, you can't. Not you can't quite as sunny. No. Oh, you can tell it's un, you can tell it's unfined. To be yes, honest, yeah. When you look at it, yeah. Cheers. Cheers. A little bit more citrus on the nose there. It's um, definitely for me a bit more floral and fruity on the on the on the it's palate a lot as well. Lighter, and you haven't got that overt dryness and bitterness at the end no. either. It's the bitterness is very very subtle. Yeah. On 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 that one. That could actually be the most drinkable of the three. I think that is the most. I think that's the, going to be the most drinkable. And I think that would that would work for a lot of people, especially people who are fans of like the New England IPAs. Yeah. Because it's got that softness and that lightness of touch, whereas the first two felt more like your old school beers. Just loads of bitterness. Yeah. Yeah. But that, I mean, that's really good. Yeah. Any any more any more facts about? I mean, I mean, that's a pretty good one. I have to admit, he built his own brewery. Well, no, I'm finishing on that. That's, that's that, uh, that. There's no better go. You can't you, can't, you can't, you can't better that. Um, so while we enjoy this beer, uh, let's get into this. Opinions, 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 opinions. We asked, um, should you drink local just because it's local? Uh, 616 votes, very close vote this one as well. Mm. So 47% of people saying yes, 53% of people saying no. So hardly anything, hardly anything in this one. No, not really. Um, and lots of comments. There was lots of comments in this one actually. Yeah. I wasn't sure how much, 
I thought we'd get a few decent votes. I wasn't sure how much traction we'd get on the comments. We got loads. We got loads there, didn't we? As, as always, what we're about to go through is, is just a, a selection yeah. of comments that, that, that we've got. If, if you want to read them all, as, as I said previously, and I think on the last show, there's a link to the, to, to the poll in the show notes. You can click on that. It will take you back to the original tweet and you can read all of the comments underneath. But let's dig in to some of these before we get on to our views yep. on this. Because I, I've got a feeling we're going to be fairly aligned on, on, on our yeah. views once again. So first up, Sean O'Reilly on Crulia. Uh, local beer has to be good too, but I do drink local a lot of the time. Largely because the pubs I go to focus on local breweries, even though they are free houses and could buy from anywhere. Beers from further afield are a treat though. I mean, that's fair enough. I mean, there probably a lot of people can... Uh empathise with that comment yeah but you know local pubs do sell local beers but when something turns out from further afield it's like ooh but you've got to and I I think we'll we'll get onto this very quickly you've got to have beers from local breweries that you want to drink from yeah so could could you imagine living in Bury St Edmunds for instance and and (laughs) your only offer (laughs) being stuff from Green King which you get in loads of old places as well, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I think that's sort of the thought that was going through my mind when I read that as well. But I think you know, I think his first, the first half of the sentence, local beer has to be good too. Yeah. Um, so next two kind of uh, a kind of two sides of the coin really. So Joe Hill at Multiplex, Multiplex Rent says, no, there are Manchester breweries I love and it's an added bonus that I can feel a bit of local pride as I drink, but there are also Manc breweries that I don't like and their location is neither here nor there. I'm definitely a brewery loyalist, but location isn't really a, flat, a factor. Flip side to that from Justin Mason at 1970s boy, friend of the show, Justin Mason, should I say. Um, I voted yes as it's essential to support your local breweries. They are part of your local community and provide a service that in most cases would be missed if not there. When there is a new beer on or they have an event, to go, or have an event go to it, find out and get involved. Now, it's probably fair to say that Justin is, is a massive advocate of, of Essex breweries and beer oh, from yeah, Essex. Definitely. And I try to be. And I, you know, I, for, for, I think there are some breweries in Essex doing some good stuff. Um, and I, you know, locally, I suppose, for where I am now, Billericay Brewing is probably the closest. I go to their taproom fairly local, very regularly. I was up there on Saturday. Um, and I think they put out some, some good quality beers. But if they put out really bad beers, wouldn't interest me at all, no matter if they were five minutes down the road. Yeah. It goes back to what Sean said at the start. Local beer has to be good too. And... In Essex, we have a lot of breweries. We uh, we still don't, you know, I still cry when I read some of the posts from other people when they're talking about, no, no, when Rachel was talking about Sussex. Yeah. We've, we've still not got those breweries innovating. No, we haven't got the ones pushing the boundaries. We have some, I mean, Crouchvale makes some really good beers and they were, they've been around for a long time now and they've won awards as well. And they are still making those beers really well. I don't feel like they've then done taking it somewhere else or even they're tried. carrying on doing the same yeah, thing. very yeah. well. And they could argue, we know our market and that's what keeps us going and that's what we like doing. That, that's no problem at all. But for me, we've got a lot of those. Yeah. And I wonder whether this next one, I wonder if um, Cask Theology at Cask Theology is actually from Essex. 
because uh, he says uh, it might be a she. Apologies there. They say um, just because it's local. Well, I try local brews because they're local, but I don't exclusively drink them because sometimes they're crap. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you know, then the following, the following comment, the next two comments, sit again, similar thing. Uh, voted no, but if it's a choice between two very similar beers, I want to support local. Especially as Northern Irish breweries brewers are such a disadvantage to the rest of Europe with regards to the idiotic laws here, and I think we've talked about that, like the tap rooms not being able to sell the beer on premises yeah. and things like that. That's from Stephen O'Kane at Socrates Nine, um, and then from Sophie Grunwell at So Beer Blogger. If the beer is no good, then it's no good. However, it's important to support your local breweries as they are part of your community. They probably would appreciate feedback from their regulars. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think. It's not it's supporting the breweries through the local pubs. The two sort of go hand in hand a lot of the time for me, because not all local breweries you can rock up and suddenly have one of their beers. I mean, what I would say is um, Leon C. They really are trying to start pushing it. They are bringing out beers which and I've enjoyed their beers. Yeah. yeah. So I recommended the Legra Pale. Yeah. You went to the the Norsham Tap in Chelmsford, and you agreed that it for three point eight percent ticked the boxes, didn't it? Yeah. And I think they're one of the ones who are maybe seeing that okay, well, still they've still got a good cast range, good traditional cast range, some really nice beers in there. But we'll do a few keg beers at the same time, and we'll see what we can push out Let's here. Push, yeah. And they've got the SS Nine in pieced out as well, which is quality. That is, it's very drinkable. You probably shouldn't try that, Steve. Do, do you think Essex just need a brewery to start canning? Is it, is it as simple oh, as that? No, we haven't got we haven't got the we haven't got the brew we haven't we haven't got to that stage yet. We haven't got to canning. Not four forty mils. From, no, from, from, from an Essex some, brewery. Some, a wraparound label. There's definitely some breweries in Essex. <laughs> I don't want four forty mils of their beer. Um, so yeah, yeah. So what you know? What 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 are you thinking anyway, Steve? Um, largely aligned to what a lot of the people have said so far in terms of the no fact factor. I mean, I. Unfortunately, I do actively tend to avoid any beers that I see from local breweries. I I would much rather so. So if we're in the we're in the Owl House in Chelmsford, they do try to support local and they do try to have a. To few. be fair, though, I think they probably have two or three out of their twelve are usually local. Yeah, but definitely on Tuesday night, they had two or three out. Yeah, and I will pass them by for other national, more well known offerings I, I didn't have any from local and no. um, what I will do what I would say is though when I go to the local beer festivals I definitely have I definitely go for the local a lot of the time yeah um, but no I'm probably the same when I'm in the owl house but where I live if I go to say well sadly before the the, the Green King pub had, had the fire they had started to bring in a few local beers I would sometimes have that because they were a Green King pub so I was still thinking I'm having a better option anyway yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, the other pub near me the White Hart they usually have two or three car scales on they will usually one of those will normally be local so I will give it a go it's not often I've always gone back to have a second one of it though but you just you generally tend where we are in, in our part of the country you generally tend to know what you're going to get oh yeah yeah in, no one's no you're one's not going to su- get anything that's groundbreaking no one's surprising us and that's no. that, that's probably it actually no one is surprising us like I said Leon C off the top of my head is probably the exception with what they're doing like I said Billericay Brewing are doing some good quite traditional quality stuff 
but I would say Leon C for me in, the, in our area, and let's say we, we are talking local here, so that we are both in this area, are the ones who are pushing it a bit more than your average Essex yeah. brewer. I mean, let's be honest, there are no Essex breweries producing brute IPAs, are there? But that's not this very bad thing. <laughs> I don't need them all to suddenly go on the on the on the on the or, or on in the New trend. England IPA. No, um, none. It, you know, it seems to be that they, they they produce what they know their market is going to drink. Yeah. which and there's nothing wrong with that because that's obviously a good business model. Is is that it, it's supply and demand? Yeah. But in in terms of this question, I I wouldn't drink local just because, because it's local. local. No, but if I found something that's local that I can get hold of and I can champion. And I'm right on top of what Justin has said. Agree. If if there was something that I thought was the best thing I've ever drunk from a local brewery, I would be all over. Yeah. And, you know, there are ones popping up. And we know that Chelmsford has one and I haven't, I haven't had a chance to try many from them. But they turn out to be doing some really nice beers that we're like, well, I'll champion them. Hmm. I'll be quite happy to see them turn up in, in places I go to. It's not a problem. But at the moment, for me locally, we don't really have them. So my, my answer would have been a no. On that one, yeah. As, as I said, I thought we were going to be fairly, yeah. fairly aligned on this one. Let's um, let, let's dig into some more of the comments. So Brad White at White, uh, good quality beer is the main driver. Engagement with potential customers is second. Poor customer service or arsy social media attitudes can be a real turnoff when it comes to buying beer, regardless of how good it is. I mean, he took that off on a slightly different tangent. There, it sounds like he's had a uh, bad experience. Yeah. I mean, Brad's had a bad experience. Yeah, on, on social media. Yeah, with, with someone. I mean, well, I would say, that's probably something else. I don't think the Essex Brewers really go big on social media, do they? I don't. I think they're on there. Um, occasionally, Crouch Vale can be a bit ranty. Yeah. Um, I can't recall. Brentwood are on there. Yeah. But not much comes out. No. But yeah, no. But yeah, I would say Brad. Not really Brad, embracing it. No, I think it? Brad's had a bad experience there. Yeah. Uh, Mark Johnson at Mark and Johnson. No, not anymore. The seven or eight breweries closest to me geographically range from average to poor, which says a lot about the number of breweries out there when the likes of Track, Squawk, Torside, etc. aren't exactly a million miles away. I used to support a couple of the local ones loyally around 2010, but now I have no need to, especially as I've had a couple of disappointing conversations with them regarding quality issues. Now a brewery will have my respect based on the beer regardless of where they are. Can't argue with that. No, I, I think again. I think that's what quite a lot of people are saying. It it comes down to quality here, doesn't it? Yeah. More, more than anything you're else. You're spending your money. Yeah. You're spending your you you know let's not let's back down to basics. We try to spend the money on stuff we like. Yeah. To so take away what we class as the essentials, where we have to pay for our utilities, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, I would still consider when you're buying a pint of beer, a bottle of beer, a can of beer, half a pint of third. It's a, it's a luxury. Why would I want to spend it on something that I'm not going to enjoy? Yeah. And I think I think that's what, again, you know, everything that we're saying here is what people have said as they've fed back to us here. So the owl lady at the owl lady says, no, my local pubs are not good, very not good. I'd rather stay in. The local beer is okay. If local purveyors, producers aren't welcoming, don't brew well, I'm not wasting my money. However, I believe it's important to shop or drink indie, whether that be online or in person. Okay, slightly again, slightly different tangent as well. But yeah. um, you know, again, pers- personal opinion. Again, if you haven't got it on the doorstep and the beers aren't very good and the pubs aren't very good, then where it's very hard to drink local, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. 
Um, Lou on Brew at Lou on Brew says, I desperately try to support local breweries, but if they're not good, they're not good. Although my favourite brewery is brewed over 4,600 miles away, I always try to drink local when I'm away. That's the joy of travelling. I mean, that's that. Now that's something different, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, Lou, Lou's a massive uh, US beer fan, isn't she? Yeah. And her and her husband do go over quite quite a lot. They tie into their love of um, American football, if I remember correctly. Yep. And so, yeah, I suppose once you've done your four thousand six hundred miles, and you are drinking, you are drinking local beer. And I, I certainly found when I went to um, Arizona that everywhere I went to had a beer from somewhere local. Yeah. Well, I, I, if I recall that, take that back to like a personal experience. You know, when I used to spend a lot of time in Leeds with my previous job. I I was like the proverbial pig in shit up there. I really was. Oh yeah. But that magical day when I realised that Leeds was only twenty minutes from Huddersfield on a train <laughs> meant, meant that I could always get as much cannonball in my face as I needed to. In, in the only measure they served in pints, because it only comes in pints and cans. <laughs> um, so I've got uh, Camel Nate at Nate Dog Twenty Seven. If I only drank Norfolk beer, I'd get bored very quickly. <laughs> Almost. Uh, almost most Norfolk beer isn't to my tastes. I do, however, mostly drink UK beer because why bother importing with a massive carbon footprint when we've got such great homemade beers? Cool comment. Nothing wrong with that, and he's not he's not entirely wrong either, is he? No, no. And, and then finally, um, from uh, our friends at the Men Behaving Badly podcast, MBB podcast. If you're choosing between two good beers and one is local, then I'd probably give the advantage to the local beer. But agree with all the other comments here. If it's crap, then it's crap wherever it comes from. Yeah, I mean, that seems to have been the general feel. What, what I found weird is um, the voting was quite close, but the comments were definitely veering towards the side of, well, if it's rubbish, it's rubbish. Well, there was no grey with this one. No. Pe- people were very much black or white with this one. It, it was either a yes or no. Yeah, so... Yeah. Um, no, again, obviously, thank you for all the comments and stuff. Um, yeah, I must think if, you, if you're spending your money, you should spend it what you like. Absolutely, without a doubt. And just just going back to that that final comment as well, uh, the, the the lads from Men Behaving Badly are doing a great job of trying to champion local stuff to them. Yeah, because they as, they've as, done as one well. for the the local brewing market harbour on the farm, haven't they? Yeah, Braybrook. Yeah, I've just started listening to that one. Yeah, um, and I think they they really do want to sort of do their focus on that and I like that it's like uh, when I listen to um, Beers Around Frontiers I like it when they talk about the beers in and around the Warwickshire area because it's completely alien to me yeah so tell me about it that, that's what that's what I love about all well, the region almost all of the other beer podcasts at the moment so you've got Sipping Forecast when that new one that new one yeah yeah. when, when they're, they're all about the North East you've got Men Behaving Badly are focusing on East Midlands you've got Beers Without Frontiers who are focusing on West Midlands and, and Warwickshire and then you've got Chef Hotcast who are focusing on, on, on the Sheffield yeah. area it's brilliant because it expands my knowledge of local of the yeah. their local areas. And it's great to listen to as well. It's great to listen to how passionate they are about things. Yeah, about their areas. I mean, I'd love to do an Essex showcase. Yeah, let's uh, let's not rush into that one though. No, not just hey, yet. Hey. Um, but if um, yeah, as, as you say, if people still want to get involved uh, in that particular discussion, um, you can use the hashtag opinions. Continue to share your thoughts on it, uh, and you may very well find yourself. In the next part of the show. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness. Write it down. We've got loads of comments here again to go through. Okay. Loads of Before feedback. we dive into the vast <laughs> amount of comments we appear to have, how's the cascade going? 
I've got to say, I'm not enjoying it as much as the first two. Okay. It's softer. Yep. It's a lot easier to drink. It's missing the bitterness that was in those first two for me. And and had I known this was this soft, I would have done it first because I think it might have suffered from the the bitterness of the first yeah. two that we've had washing over our palates. I mean, to be fair, there's no way we could know because there's no descriptions anyway. Unless you were more of an expert on on the on the hot profiles. However, I'm starting to get the bitterness. Really? Yeah. No, we're near as sharp as the first two. No, we're near as pronounced as the first two. But I'm starting to get that through. So the softness of the, the fruit flavours has sort of died off a little bit for me. And I'm getting a bit more of the traditional bitterness coming through. It's it's very subtle. For, for oh, me. yeah. I mean, if, yes. In hindsight, um, if you've done that one first, or even maybe put it in the middle, as a bit of a counterpoint to both of them, yeah, but it has potentially suffered. But I think it's still a very enjoyable beer. Um, but I would probably pitch up and say, out of the free single hop, the El Dorado's probably just edged it for me. I would agree one hundred percent with you. I, I that was one I enjoyed the most because of bitterness. Yeah, um, I found it really interesting to see the difference that changing a single ingredient in, in, in a process makes between... But you could still get the similarities. There was still... Yeah. The backbone was still there. The, the foundation. Yeah. yeah there, there was that, that was the one thing that stood out across all three of them was that kind of earthiness. Um, there, there was, a, there was a, a light citrus feel across them all. Um, how that represented itself in terms of bitterness and dryness yep. changed from beer to beer as well. Um, but no, I mean, thoroughly enjoyable. What I would say, and again, this is now, well, I've had quite a few beers from them now, all again in the bottles. Incredibly well-brewed beers. Incredibly well-brewed beers. Really well-balanced. What you're expecting to get, you're getting. Um, it just, they just feel, I, I do feel at some point we need to visit. But without Somehow that, yeah. we need to find a way of factoring in a visit there. Just, you know, talk to him, look at the kit. Look at that one-of-a-kind kit that, yeah. he's, that, that he's built, yeah. Um, so, so ironically, talking... ironically, we're going to do bittering lingerness with a New England IPA. <laughs> yeah. Probably should have been the uh, El Dorado, really. It, it, it should have been. I mean, what, so this is cool. This one is the revolution will not be televised. Yeah, and it's got a very sort of a 70s... Psychedelic. Psychedelic yeah. sort of feel to the, the label and stuff. Okay, well, while you're pouring that, let, let, let's get into a couple of these before we take oh, this a... this is the, a bit live, isn't a, it? A taste of it. So first up, from James at Gavin Barron. After listening to Opinion 71, I'll be suitably attired, uh, to which he had posted a picture of a T-shirt that he had mocked up that said on the front of it, too much of that James geezer. <laughs> which I think was a comment from... From Paul. From Paul at UNRCD, who has, has also made a comment, uh, great show as always, and decided to pop into MS for lunch and had to purchase all four new Mikella beers and both Bear Republic ones, which had on them best before dates of July 19. So if we're assuming that there's a year on those, they've come over very they fresh. They are super fresh right now. And I did know I popped into them and I picked some lunch up today. That one of the bigger ones in the city, and um, I did notice they were trumpeting their five years winning the supermarket beer retailer of the year award as well. Oh, okay. They had a big one of these six foot poster things. Yeah. So they had their shelf range, and it did have the Bear Republic, the McKellar beers, and stuff. 
um, had and they had some beers in the fridge as well. So they they are letting people know that they do beer. If only I was going somewhere at the weekend where I needed to go past an MS to get some train beers. If only, hey. If only. Let's uh, let's try this beer if we can get through the uh, we can get massive through, egg. Yeah. That so for Cheers. for anyone who listens to the men behaving badly, I think this is a uh, probably a three finger. It's head. easily a three finger head. It's definitely fruity on the nose. It is. I yeah. can smell it when I was pouring it. To be honest, I mean it's it's only only got a little bit of haze to it. It's, ha- it's hazy rather than yeah. juice, isn't it? Oh, that's stingy. Okay, that's the bitterest New England IPA I've ever had, you which said, is not a bad thing. <laughs> and you, you said I could have the other bottle. Yeah, I've changed my mind. Yeah, I thought that might happen. Yeah, we, we might be sharing that. See, I, I, I was I was confident that this would be in a New England IPA you would like. That's actually really tasty. I was confident about it. That's that's got a real like so it's a real stinging bitterness. Yeah, but it's got. It. So it's, I mean, the carbonation is lovely. Very natural carbonation to it. Nothing forced about yeah. that at all. Um, so Mark from at Kel fired. Um, oh Martin, I can't believe you didn't put Hanson Hansons Hanson Hansonans in front of him. Is is that a type of sour beer? Yes, I think. Uh, and I think. Um, I was trying well because obviously what I was trying to do was to bring you on a sour journey, not reinforce your already your your opinion of sours. Okay. So maybe when we do sours part two, I was going to say you want it to become an annual thing, don't I, you? I think we can do a continuation of your journey because I, you know, I need I my ultimate goal is to get you into Cantillon. We'll see. That's in, that's my goal in time. Uh, he also went on to say, also please in capitals. <laughs> Stop calling the shop Tesco's. It's Tesco. Fantastic show, guys. Hashtag opinion. Um, I've always called it Tesco's. Oh, same, yeah. just, just like I call Asda's Asda's. Oh, yeah. No, I call Asda Asda. I call it Asda's. No. I, th- I think, it's, is that because Morrison's and Sainsbury's automatically have an S on the end of them? And then you you just add it onto the other yeah. things. I think we've already dedicated far too much time to discussing whether there should be an S on the end of supermarket. Or yep. Not. Uh, Adam Johnson at Maybe Not a Fad. Uh, great podcast. Thanks for the mention. More than happy to post Steve Akana Breakfast Club as they are plentiful in the bigger Tesco's here in the north. And I think that's the that's the blueberry and maple. Oh, the know. blueberry maple muffin stout. Waffin, yeah. Waffle pancake. Waffle, yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks for the offer, Adam. Um, it, it, it's fine. I'll, I'll be quite happy. If I, if I find it, I'll find it. I'm not... Not not rushing out there for it. Uh, we then got some feedback from the Victoria Inn. Um, yeah, so just finished the sour episode and thanks for your kind words regarding the pub. See you both soon, hopefully. Um, yep, yeah, I'll always be trying to get up there. It's just um, because it's not as close as it once was, um, unfortunately. But, you know, just to reiterate, thank you very much for letting us take over half the beer garden. <laughs> Yeah, it was, and that was a fantastic afternoon. Yeah. It really was. Um, so Michael McCall at Lebowski49. I promptly headed to Swansea Day after listening to that podcast. Nice timing on a sour podcast. Now, I didn't realise that at the time, that, that when we released the, the, the Sour Face show... It was about two days before Swansea Day. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I didn't... I, I'm still struggling to understand why there's a whole day named after Swansea. <laughs> and what has Swansea ever been what's famous what's it ever done what's it ever been famous for in regards to beer <laughs> um, 
Richard Swindles at Rich Swin. Uh, good show it is too. Uh, listening to it has made me change my mind and give sours a go, starting with Florida Vice. This could be the beginning or end of the journey. Now, that's obviously the new Thornbridge beer that's available in cans in Tesco. Yeah, Mark. I reckon that will be the start of a journey. I don't think I've had the Florida Vice, but I've had their other Vice beer, the one that um, now Versa. Which yes. is sold in spoons uh, because they can no longer get beer from outside of the UK, um, and that's in there. So I've had that one a few times, and I think it. I think it'd be a gentle. It's quite a gentle start that one. I think you'd enjoy it. So well, I, I have enjoyed it. I've I've had a few cans of that already, and, and I do like it. Mm. I think it's it it's a perfect gateway beer. Yes. Oh, it's a gateway sour because it's got that raspberry flavour to it as well. So essentially. It's like you're drinking raspberry it's a, it's, it's a wheat beer with the raspberry to sort of brings down that wheat and gives that little bit of tartness, doesn't yeah. it? So, no, I think I think um, I really look for... Actually, do you know what, Richard? Let us know how the journey's going. Yeah, yeah, let, let us know. Let us know what you're drinking and, and, and what the next one is. Uh, so, Rob's Beer Odyssey, at Rob's Beer Odyssey, just listened to the Peak Ender episode and heard Thornbridge use different yeasts in cask and keg bottle can, explaining the noticeably different taste and body. My question to you is, how much should a beer be changed, yet still be called by the same name? We understand that there will be constant small changes, hot malt availability, quality, terroir, etc. I'm talking about larger changes, yeasts, permanent hot water changes, or brewing locations to name but a few. Working my way backwards through your catalogue slowly. Okay, firstly, thanks Rob for going back to older shows yep. and, and, and catching up. It's great to have you on board. It's great to have you getting involved. Um, secondly, your question is a really interesting one to, to, to me, and it's one that we've certainly had discussions about this. Well, one particular beer. <laughs> and, and I think we're <laughs> going to go into it again now. So, yeah, um, how much can a beer be changed yet still be called by the same name? Well, the obvious one for us, again, and this is fairly local, sticking on the theme is Broadside. Yeah. So in cask, it's what, about 4.7? Four, 4.6, seven? Four, 4.7. Four, yeah. Um, lovely beer, really nice. The bottle, 6.2. It's 1.5% more. And I don't think bears much resemblance to the cask version. I think, I think there's hints of it in there. Um, I think if you look on Untapped now, they've distinguished them by calling one of them strong, strong and one of them original or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the neat, see for me, broadside, it just feels like, because it's the broadside, it's the, it's, the, it's the side of the ship, isn't it? When you did the broadside, that's yeah. where all the cannons came out of. It feels like it should be the big version of the beer. But they had to dial it down for the cask market yeah. because people weren't drinking a 6.2% cask beer. Rename it, relaunch it, do a name, do a naming competition. Do you think they should do that? Yes, I do, because I don't think, I don't, that for me, that one's all, it's just, I think it's just confusing, because what about if you do get used to the cast version, and then you go and buy your three for five pound there. And you see it in the supermarket, you get all excited. If you drink three of them, and suddenly you're falling over, because it's 6.2%. Yeah. A more recent one, for, for me, is um, Buxton's Axe because um, we were saying that it's recently been released in cans uh, and we both felt as though it had lost a little bit of its bite. Yeah. 
um, and we had noted that they'd used oats, which we didn't think was in the original version. Fairly confident it wasn't in the original. And then they recently released it in bottles, and I sent you a picture of, of what it said on the yeah. side of the bottle, which said something like, reimagined um, our, our classic IPA, reimagined, reimagined for 2018. And I was like, well, hang on then. If you've, if you've changed... If you've changed it significantly, so it's developed, it's no longer Axage. No. It's become something else. So stop selling it under Axage. Because I, I, you know, when we we discussed that offline, because I had the three cans. Firstly, let's just say I did enjoy the three cans. I did them in one sitting. Oh, so did I. I thoroughly enjoyed them. Only thing missing was that bite. And that's what the buying the was shop, always. Yeah. That's what I always went back to it for. Yeah, and I can vividly remember, bearing in mind it was the end of a very long day in Newcastle. We ended up in a bar, and we both ordered bottles of Axe Edge, and it was like, all right, what quite, need it was quite a high ABV yeah. palette reset, but it was absolutely perfect. Yeah. Cut through everything else that we'd either ate or drunk during the day, and in my head, I feel like I can still picture and remember that, and that wasn't quite what I was getting. I think that's probably a little bit more subtle than than something else, but I would than say the broadside. than the broadside. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I probably wouldn't disagree with you. I think reimagined. That's why are you reimagining a beer that doesn't need reimagining. No, anyway. because the original is pretty much perfect. Yeah, well, it was perfect. By all means, bring out another beer. Because that's what they did. Something else. Then they bring out the Axe Edge X or the Axe X. Yeah, yeah. That I thought that was like the reimagined version anyway. Yeah, which was essentially their New England yeah. version. Yeah, for me that's pretty much imagined. Yeah. But really good question. So Rob, if you've got a beer that you think ticks that box, let us know. Yeah. And if anyone else does, you know how to do it, get on here. Hashtag bittering lingers. Well, no, hashtag do, opinions. Do you not put bittering lingers on no, there? No, I don't, I don't search for that. Hashtag. Ah, that's probably loads. Too long. Oh, is that why none of my stuff gets read out? Probably, yeah, because you keep using the wrong hashtag. Now, now I know. God, get with the program, man. Um, Stephen O'Kane uh, at Socrates9 regarding Ralk beer Steve was pretty close on the last show with his pronunciation Martin was a long way off thank you bloody hell, I can't believe we're getting picked <laughs> thank you very much we're getting picked up on grammar and pronunciation now pronounce Rhein Heitzgebot yeah I'm not trying it Rhein Heitzgebot yeah I'm still not trying it you're still not trying it no okay uh, and then just to finish this off, uh, Sean O'Reilly at Uncrulia, just listening to Sourface Opinion 71, heard the call to number crunch in action and I'm straight on it. A firkin is nine imperial gallons or 72 pints. Therefore, Fuller's Pilot Pant is producing 2,880 pints per brew. That's all you had to say? Most pubs take their pipe beers in firkins, I believe. There you go, 288 pints. 2,888 pounds. I can work work with that. So, Sean, if you could just now let us know what five BBL is in terms of pints, we'd really appreciate that. Yeah, that'd be really helpful, actually. Yeah. Um, How are you doing with the beer? Um, To be honest, I was getting into that discussion a bit too much, but um, I reckon I could just suck this and I wouldn't. Right. So, we know it's a new, we've been told it's a New England IPA. It's not New England IPA as I recognise it. So, I suppose if you were judging it on style, from what we know about the style, and let's face it, most of them do say the style is soft, 
very low bitterness, doesn't really have that sort of harshness to it. I think some people have probably gone too far, but if you're judging by style, and I think this was the first year that the style was actually judged at the Great American Beer Festival. It was the first year it was recognised as a style. Yeah. yeah. This probably wouldn't have qualified. No, I don't think it would have done. Um, I, I mean, it's it's. I've got to say, it's probably style-wise, it's the furthest thing away from a New England IPA. That I wouldn't I've ever had. blind tasting. I would have been picking. I wouldn't have said that was a New England IPA. But I'm loving it. My my palate is absolutely <laughs> loving well, it because it is it is bitterness that just goes on forever. It puts me in mind of the one that he did, the Loopy Toucan, Loopy yes, Toucan, yeah. which had a lot of those fruit flavours but still with that nice bitterness going on in the background as well. Still had that bit of what I'd call that earthiness that you associate with the, the tr- tr- traditional side of the beer. But it's got bags of that fruit flavour coming out. So the fruity side is definitely there. Yeah. But it's balanced by the, the, the bitterness. Not so dry as the first two single hot beers. It's not dry, but that bitterness is just sticking at the back hangs. of my mouth. It just hangs, doesn't it? I, I, it? It's just there. I've got a feeling I'm not going to get the hold of the last bottle to myself. I've, I've got the feeling, no, that's going to be shared properly oh, immediately damn. after this, I should have well, double drunk it in advance. You, you should have done, yeah. See, I was confident. <laughs> um, so while we're finishing this off, uh, let's get in to Paul's question of the week. Questions, questions, fill my head. And we do actually have a question from Paul this week. Oh, what, was actually keeping on theme this time? It's it's the first time he's got to look into his own segment for a couple of weeks. Um, And he asked the question of what celebrity would you most like to have a pint with and what would you buy them? Oh, God. See, I never actually looked at the question this time. Have you you thought about it already? I I haven't. I was just going to go with this just off the fly. Okay, Uh, Paul McCartney. And what would you buy him? What would would you like to sit down with, with, with Paul... I would get him something from Mad Hatter. Oh, okay. I'll keep it local I, I, for I like him. The link that you're going. I'll keep it local for him. Yeah. He's very proud of being Liverpool. Um, Paul McCartney is my favourite artist. The Beatles are my favourite band. Um, I would love to be able to have a just even a five minute conversation with him and over a but it probably wouldn't be the tzatziki sour. Fairly, fairly confident it wouldn't be yeah. that one because that's not my favourite sour. It's a really weird combination, that one. But I think I'd get something from Mad Hatter. I think you'd appreciate that. It's a good call. A few con- connotations from, from the 60s as well with the Mad Hatter bit. So yeah. I'd, that's what I would do. I'm going to... Can I have a serious one and then a not-so-serious one? Oh, go on. Well, it depends on how good, you, how good one of them is, whether we give you a second chance. Okay, well, my first one then, I'm going to go for um, probably Stan in the musical theme. Um, I, I would love to have a beer with Dave Grohl. I was confident you were going to say that. That's not a million miles away from the conversation with Paul, Paul McCartney because they're both big fans yeah. of each other, aren't they? And I would probably have to go for like a proper classic American IPA with him. Again, makes sense. Just just sit down and just choose that. Maybe, maybe even just go really obvious on this one and not even an IPA, just go for like a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Just sit down. Because you probably, you probably wouldn't be thinking about the beer anyway, would you? No, because you'd just be chatting. Um, my not-so-serious one would be uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and, and I'd love to sit down and have a Steve Weiser with, with Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> um, because not even drink it, just just smash cans together and pour it over my head with him. That, that would be ideal for and ha- me. And have a gift created. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but I have, I've noticed with, with Paul, he asks us these questions, but he never gives his own answer. No. 
No, I think everyone should challenge him to answer so, as well. So the challenge is out there, Paul. We'd like to know uh, Paul, who's your celebrity. We, we need another section, Paul's answer to Paul's question of the <laughs> yeah. week. Oh, jeez. We just keep adding sections to this thing. <laughs> um, and then the other question uh, from Richard Taylor at Rich Taylor 1608 Now, uh, Rich is the bar manager at Victoria. Yep. Um, and I love this question. It's really topical as well, really on yeah. point. Uh, with Indie Man soon and London Craft Beer Festival, Beaverex just gone, plus Craft Beer Rising happening early next year, and many other festivals happened or happening. Would you say we are going to be going to become inundated with craft festivals in the same that way that we have cask festivals? Oh, obviously, we do have a lot of cask festivals. Um, although I'd say apart from... Like the big regional ones, so let's say GBBF out of it. Yeah, St Albans is fairly well recognised. Manchester is obviously fairly well recognised. So it's a Peterborough one as well. That's Peterborough is a big well, one, isn't it? Yeah. So you've you've got a number of big cask beer festivals which are probably re- recognised outside of their local regions, whereas a lot of the other cask beer festivals really are local, aren't they? Yeah. Which I, I, I tend to try and go to as Let's much as possible. Let's go back to that drink local thing, yeah. isn't it? Again? Um, see, look at us keeping on point all the time. Oh, no. Brilliant. Um, it's like we plan this shit. But with the craft festivals, they tend to be um, quite well known, even if you can't get to them. So, if I remember correctly, haven't we got... What, what's the one in Newcastle in half term? Oh, uh, Craft Beer Calling. Yeah. So, I know that's happening, but it's going to be a stretch for me to ever get to it. Unless I do some sort of planning for it. Yeah. Um, and there's Bristol and Edinburgh. Br- Bristol has its L- LCBF. Liverpool. Yeah. It seems as though every major town has yeah. a craft beer festival yeah. now. I don't think we're at peak craft beer festivals. Um, my only thing is that we do get peak times. Yeah. Or peak months. So you do get a bit of a rush of them. And bearing in mind that most of these are held indoors... I'm not sure why we have to have them all within a couple of months of each other. It's not like they're holding them outdoors. Because you can't even really blame the hops anymore and wanting to have the beers uber fresh. What with, you know, the cryo, cryo hops yeah. and the developments that we've got in hops now. That freshness isn't necessarily a factor anymore. So you can actually just have um, really good beer all the time. Yeah. Bit like you know, again, not so local. You can get your fruit and veg from four corners of the world these days. Um, I don't think we're at peak, but I, do, I would, I wouldn't mind a bit of coordination on the calendar. I, I'd like to see a bit more of that. I mean, again, we had the clash this year of Beaverex and Leeds International Beer Festival being on the same weekend. Um, Thankfully, Indie Man's moved back into its October slot rather than sitting in in September. But but like you say, it does seem as though every month, generally, you tend to have one, maybe two craft beer festivals a month. Yeah. And it it, it does. And, and also, they're not cheap to go to that either. Was, that was going to be my last point. Unlike the cask beer festivals, craft tends, a bit like the beer prices, tends to come with a bit of a premium. I'm not. I'm not making any judgments on that. Here we've done. We've covered this off before. Um, so if you get a few in a couple of months in the same month, and you had a little bit of travelling as well, it probably becomes a little bit out of your reach, to be yeah. honest. Um, whereas you know, with the car, with the 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 amount of cask beer festivals will then be so local, and they tend to be a lot cheaper to to get in. 
regardless of whether you're a member or not. There's usually free sessions at some point during yeah. that. You don't get craft beer. There isn't a craft beer festival I know of where you can go from outside the door to inside the venue without paying some money. No, you you have to pay yeah. entry. I, I think or, generally yeah. because they tend to be run as uh, private enterprises most of the time. There is a company behind it, unlike the cast ones, which tend to be backed by camera. But but just on that, again, going back to the calendar, if you think about it, you've got craft beer calling, which is at the end of October, mm-hmm. and then your next craft beer festival isn't until craft beer rising. Which is in February. In February. So, so you've actually got four months there mm. Although where there's nothing. Does make a bit of sense because you're into Christmas, into December. Um, I would never ho- host a work beer tasting because people have other commitments. January, I've tried, but they had this weird thing where people stop. I mean, to be honest, I did stop. I went to bed at midnight on New Year's Day <laughs> and I, I had a break. It started uh, again at started again. 7 o'clock <laughs> yeah. on New Year's Day evening. So, you know, um, I, I can understand your December and January not being used. Um, and then in February feels like always feels like a bit of a short month. People feel a bit poorer, so I can see that practical thing. But then I don't understand why we then have. It feels like what's after Craft Beer Rising then? The ne- what the next big one? Yeah. So that's February. What would you say is the next big craft beer festival? So we know that Leeds, LCBF. They, they're all later on in yeah, the year. They, they all come after the first half of the year. So what's the? So if anyone wants to let me know, please do. I think uh, Liverpool has the Craft Beer Expo, which is right on the cusp of the end of June. Um, but are there other ones? I mean, I don't know. I think for me, it's not so much there's I'm too not many. Sure it's not for me there's too many craft beer festivals. For me, it's that they Constantina. That they're all at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Spread them out a bit. Spread them out. Uh, so we've got another beer to to, to finish. Cheers. So this is the Bugtown Brown American Brown Ale. I think we're both quite excited about this because of. Brown, the brown ale can be a much maligned and poorly done style, but the American brown ale tends to be where it shines. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about this. And that was one of my favourites out of the Northern Powerhouse series was um, the more American influenced brown ale. So straight away, it's got a lovely chocolatey nose. Oh, that's lovely. It's, it's chocolate. There's dark sort of red fruits coming through on that there's there's a citrus tinge to the ed- edge of it that's um that's pretty much perfect so we've got um for the bittering we've got bittering pilgrim for the aroma we've got summit and cascade and for the uh dryness we've got summit and cascade and that is absolutely delicious that's that's working really well isn't it that is working really well i'm glad it's a 500 we're sharing not a 330 i, I, I am um, well, it's, I'm it's, a shame, it's a shame we're sharing, sharing it, it. <laughs> to, 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 to be honest um and i mean that brings us to the end of it this the end week of it. Um, um first of all i've enjoyed i have enjoyed all the beers yes again um so again brilliant brilliant that you can churn out these kind of beers um shane so thank you very much yeah thank really you, grateful thank, thank you, you for sending them down as well um love your version of the new england ipa love the american brown free we've already spoken about the single hops um what's coming up next steve well next time we are doing um a show that is is based on um a question that we were asked 
quite a while back. Quite, um, quite some time ago. This is this is just to to prove that we do we do keep track of when people ask us or make suggestions for doing shows. We just try to find the right time. Yeah. Um, so this came from uh, Roland Glue. Yep. Um, at Has Been New Boy. Um, one one third of the Stephen Roland Beer podcast. Yeah, really. It's yeah. about time they started including I think, Gary. I, yeah, I think in, I think if Gary was on Twitter, he'd he'd have to definitely be. Uh, especially as they keep making him do those awkward shows where he's in a room on his own. Going. Yeah, um, but Roland asked us a question, um, which was uh, uh, around beers enjoyed versus those admired yeah so we've kind of we looked at that and we said well what can we do around that so we kind of gone for a bit of a revered beers yeah so those beers that aren't necessarily your hype beers but they're beers that sometimes fly a little bit under the radar sometimes a bit difficult to get hold of can be a little bit rare but are held in great esteem. Yeah, high regard. Yeah, for, um, for what they are. So you've, already, I, I'm not going to reveal it, but you've already shared with me what free beers you may you may be bringing with you. Yeah, um, I crawled into the back of my cellar and had a look at what beers I thought would work well for that show. So I've I've got my three selected. I could I could easily choose free beers. I just need to make sure that my better half is in agreement with me sharing them just for you. So, uh, but I look forward to that. I did, we've always liked that question. It was just finding yeah. the right place to do it. It wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have felt like during, during the summer would have done it any justice. No. And it's definitely one of those questions where, and, and you'll see when we, we get to the show and my beers come out. Spoiler, they're dark. Yeah. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> yeah. Um, but generally you don't, if, if we were going along the lines of revered, how fresh beers the only one you would probably be talking about is 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 pliny the elder which we're never going to get hold of for the show i know <laughs> i've still never i've still never had it yeah so you, you know it's you're generally going to tend to lean towards the darker impy stouts yeah. barley wines vintage owls i think i need to put it on my wish list on my tattoo, Ma- I, I don't know maybe maybe sours would would probably also tick that box as well. But I'm presuming you don't want me to pull out some more sours. Mate, you can pull out whatever you want. You're, you're bringing can you bring in. Can you never say that on air ever again? <laughs> oh, I would try not to. <laughs> um, as always, uh, folks, if you want to get involved in anything um, that we've dus- discussed this evening, you want to ask us a question, um, just use the hashtag opinions. We will find you and we will get you involved in the show. That's been good fun. That has been good fun. Great beers. We are some going to... Uh, very much retire to enjoy this American Brown Ale. Cheers, Shane. And uh, cheers to our listeners. Cheers. Cheers.